I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. And I'm L. Nicole France. That was a nice little pause. She gave it a little dramatic pause for the cause there. And we are the CRM players. She brings in the L all the time now, too, which I like. Well, she has to bring in the L. I mean, yeah. I really like that. It's all for Brent. It's LC. By the way, folks, we we are the CRM players. Just thought we'd throw that in there. All right. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Atlanta after a really bad night. I'm, we we were lucky to escape the uh, tornadoes this time around, so I'm glad about that. You were in that zone. Were you in that actual zone, the tornado zone? Like right yeah, they the they came through north northern Georgia, but we were lucky. Oh. We we were very lucky. We we didn't get uh, any of the bad stuff. Well, we got rain, but we didn't get any of this. I think they said there was at least thirty or forty tornadoes that rolled through, like. Alabama and some other parts and it was heading, wow. to, heading to Carolina. It wasn't like a narrow tornado alley. It was like, you know, the whole big chunk of the country that was under tornado watch, right? Right. I was going to say, uh, Catherine, uh, what I title? Get, we love the title too, but we don't know which one plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked know. it since after oh. 12 years of doing it. Uh, there he is. There he hey. is. Ben. Oh, our our buddy Sven is here. Raise a, a fist in support of Sven. Salute. Is that uh, Italian or something like that? No, I don't know. That's actually 1960s radical fist. Oh, okay. Power to the people. Or it yeah, could be yeah, Italian too. So there you go. Yeah, but that no, no, not that one. Not okay. That. <laughs> we don't no, have a no lot of time. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time to play around here because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Some things. Some updates, some uh, some nice shows coming up in the next week. We're going to tease a little bit. Uh, and, of course, we have some guests. We're going to be talking about thought leadership and what the hell it is. You know, who's doing it right? What what is right mean? Well, we'll get into all that stuff in the meantime. But you want to give a little quick BYOB update for 2021? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we're, I- uh, we're, mov- we're moving along. So... For those of you who don't know what it is, that stands for Bring Your Own Band 2021. We did one in 2020. Ten corporate bands participated and included. And the winner of, of the, so we'll give them a shout out, is Pegasystems The Layer Cakes. Um, and I will tell you, we now are upping the game for 2021. From last year, three music videos, and you compete. This year, mm-mm, bigger. We're going to be first. Every band is going to be picking a charity that they want to play for. Second, they're not going to be playing songs. They're going to be playing 20-minute sets, right? And those 20-minute sets will be played consecutively. So it'll be on a stage, whatever that stage happens to look like. Wow, he must be like 2 in the morning where he is at this point because he's in India. So then, um, And we will play them over about two days consecutively like Live Aid. Something to the order of live aid, farm aid. You know, we'll figure out if we're going to call it some kind of aid. Way I'll be twenty-one, but the idea is the winners. They will still be competitive, but there'll be hopefully five more bands than last year. So we'll have fifteen bands, and right now we have, I'd say, a good fourteen of those fifteen already, more or less. Uh, let's say informally have agreed, so we're ready to go. With other and the other big news for that is. To the team putting it together, we're bringing in somebody to help us. And that is 
Mr. Kenny Lauer. Uh, for those oh, of you who don't yes. know Kenny, Kenny is the former head of the mar digital and marketing for the Golden State Warriors. He's the VP running that. He is um, now at a VC uh, company actually called Prime Movers. And um, and he's one of the, Kenny would never tell you this, but aside from being one of the most innovative and creative people in the entire world, he's also uh, one of the most uh, influential people that I've ever met. He's just very quiet about his influence. So um, Ken, what Kenny's expertise is, is immersive experience, right? That's what he is absolutely genius at. So we're bringing him in. He's going to help us make this a much more immersive experience than it was last year. And we're going to just let it rip. And so watch for more and more announcements starting next week where the call for bands will be going out. Very I was nice going to say, I love that you're pretty much already hitting the ceiling on oversubscription, Paul. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Well, we'll see how it goes. It's, I yeah. talk a good game. <laughs> yeah, let's not get, a, get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, the bar is set high though because last year I think we were all blown out of the water by mm -hmm. by the we got. So you know. So this year we're blowing people out of the sky. That's our exactly. take a different. That, different that doesn't bars. really sound great though. <laughs> we might not want to re, you know word it like that. Anyway. Right. Yeah, well that's good. As long as we have Mikhail's army, we're fine. So. Oh <laughs> wow! Al Nicole taking wow. shots. After taking that a shot. Awesome. Okay, that's really good. That's right. We'll blame We're going to blame it. We're going to blame it on the shot. vaccine there. That's um, right. Anyway. Getting a shot, taking a shot. Okay, exactly. so uh, before we bring on our guests, and it's still kind of funny for me to say yes with one of the guests. But oh, it's like the transition was so fast. It's kind of hard to process. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I know. It's uh, a little bit of foreshadowing here. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of really cool shows coming up that we wanted to just tell you about. And we actually have, uh, let me see, we have some visual aids to go along with this here. All right. So, well, if the visual aid would kick in, uh, yeah. visual aid. Oh, you know what's going on with the visual aid? That was like a serious 10 second delay going on with the visual aid there. But anyway, so, oh, and let me do this because I hate when the, uh, with the CRM players branding is in the middle of everything there. Yeah, right. I know. Oh, wow. And then somehow my uh, other branding got moved. There we go. All right. So next week, this is cool. We, all three of us deal with a lot of vendors and a lot of vendor uh, analyst relations program, PR folks, influencer. We deal with a ton of people. And how can I say this delicately? Most of them are not that great. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say it like that. I should say that they are a little more challenging to work with than some of the folks that we really like to work with. And so we thought we would spend next week's show uh, saluting a few of the ones that we really like to work with. What do you say, uh, Paul, to that setup? Uh, that was almost scary the way you put it. <laughs> um, so at least I didn't talk about uh, taking people out of the air or stuff like that. So yeah. well, <laughs> this, this is look. There's analyst relations, and then there's analyst relations, and there's a big difference between the 
let's call it the practice of analyst relations and the actual work of it. And these are the ones who do the actual work. And why? Because they understand the idea of relations, right? These Mm -hmm. these are, look, these are some of our favorite analyst relations people. It's not all of them. There's several that are not going to be on the show who we will call out and mention. Some of them we'll mention next week just to give them a shout out. But, um, But these five have always been just exceptional to work with at one level or another. And just for identification purposes, in the upper left corner, there is Jeff McDonald from ServiceNow. In the dead center of the upper uh, row is Jen Douglas from Microsoft. On the right is Kathleen Obata of Salesforce. On the lower left is uh, Sandy Lowe of Zoho. And on the uh, lower far right is uh, Kim Gian of uh, Oracle CX. And so these five have been just, they're not just people who know what they're doing, but they're our friends, right? And they're, that's the best way to put it. They're friends. And you know what? One of the things we're going to be talking to them about is what does it take to be really good at what you do? Because this is not an easy job because most of the people in our industry can be pretty, uh, let's say, testy. At say, analysts are notoriously a very motley crew. <laughs> so that is the nicest way you could put it, too. Very nice. Right. Mot- motley is literally probably not the word I'd use in that case. But nonetheless, exactly. And they these people have to deal with all kinds of people with all kinds of temperaments and somehow come out sane and grounded and at the same time good as people. And all of these are really good people. So this is going to be a really cool show. And honestly, these are people who never get the credit they're due. Right. right? So we're going to give them the credit they're due. Right. Great idea. Just, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how breezy was it when Kim Gion took that picture? Because their hair is just flowing. <laughs> You're right. Actually, holy cow. A lot of flow. That's great. That, where that photo was taken as well, <laughs> because that might that might be a reason why it was so windy. But there you go. Yeah, could be. One thing that yeah. will never happen to me is hair being able to flow in the wind. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Okay. Even if it even if it did, you still have to be, you'd have to take your hat off for that to happen. Yeah, that's true. And that, too. And that never happens. Yeah, so. I can't do that. My Rams uh, game is too too strong. All right, so that's next week. But then after next week, we follow it up with this. And I was really looking for that Wonder Years music because that yeah. would have been really great, you know. Uh, so <laughs> April 2nd, two weeks from today, we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the early days of CRM. We like to call it the Wonder Years. Uh, and these are just two of our guests that have confirmed. But we are working with... We are working on bringing a whole crew of folks that were there at the beginning, folks like Bob Stutz, who is currently the president of CX for SAP. But Bob has been at, well, this is his second stop at SAP. He, I guess he was at Siebel first. And mm-hmm. of course, did that got bought by Oracle, but I think he had left by then. He went to Microsoft, yeah. he spent time at Microsoft. He's been to Salesforce. I mean, Bob is like Willie Nelson's travel buddy because he has literally been everywhere and, and at the beginning of it at all. And then the guy hmm. now, this is, you know, John Ferrara, who is the one of the original founders of Goldmine. And now he's been helming and the founder of Nimble for a number of years. But my, my man brought back the mustache. I think he had it early in the early days and then it kind of mysteriously left. 
And now he's coming back. So I'm feeling like, you know, there's a story behind that, too, that we need to explore. But we're going to talk about what the what were the early days of CRM like, get their ideas on, you know, where we are today and any kind of uh, surprises or maybe disappointments along the way. We just want to have a good, you know, fun talk with some of the folks who are literally there at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, this is a show of not just founders of companies, but founders of the whole industry. And that's actually why we're doing it, because there's a lot of people in this industry who have no idea how this thing even got started, but they're certainly reaping the benefits, let's just say. And and these guys, these guys are the builders, right? So there are there are several others in the works. We'll uh, let you know who they are as they come forward. But um, these first two, they're in. So... I'm, I'm looking forward to your perspective because I think it's going to be a fascinating thing. You know, I mean, the CRM industry has been around long enough now. There's there's a good bit of retrospective analysis to be done for sure. Plus, I'm also interested in hearing about it being November all year round. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's where the mustache comes in. I'm just looking forward to seeing what Bob is wearing because we all know Bob likes to, you know, he doesn't come halfway with his gear no. like that. and that's scarf and shirt combo those have made several appearances so will it be the same again is it his superhero outfit i think that's the other big question wow <laughs> whoa all right all right, all right one well, last well. one last quick thing that we wanted to bring you up to date on this is the very first crm players watch party of the year is coming up on april 27th so there's plenty of time but uh yeah this is the first watch party of the year we we have fun with these things because we bring in in real time. We're, you know, what do you call that? Mystery science thing? Mystery that? science theater 3000. Yeah. So, so you, maybe you'll see something like us aligned there and then a big screen of what's currently going on and us kind of talking and bringing in other analysts to get their like real time observations, yeah. analysis, any of that stuff. Shadow cutouts of us. And so, you know, it, <laughs> Uh, well, I, th this stuff is really fun. Actually, we we did uh, last year. We did it with what it was Mark Benioff and Larry Ellison in the other well, order. Uh, yeah, we did. Larry was like our test case, Remember right? That? And yeah, we blew the doors off with him too. I mean, that was fun, and, and it was you know, and Mark too. You know, was we and you know, the, you know, the format is look. Ultimately, we want whoever's listening in here to not only come on but participate. Meaning your comments are going to be responded to like when, when we're all talking kind of over these guys, right. Uh, while they're talking, we're talking. Well, we also, your comments are going to be the equivalent of that too. And we're going to be responding directly to your comments in real time. So, and you know how it goes with us. I mean, you're doing really well and you're on some sort of role. We'll put you onto the show. Courtney Cox, is the Courtney Cox phenomenon, or you get three choices. You call the Bruce Springsteen phenomenon, the Courtney Cox, um, the Courtney Cox method, or the dancing in the dark. And we just call it with no, that's not an adjective. That becomes the noun. So um, that's the approach. So comment, maybe come on the show. We'll have analysts there to talk about it. Of course, our players and residents will be there and our our loyal committed one, the only loyal committed one we looks like we've ever had, which is Nicole. And uh, <laughs> right. am, I, am I getting a record? <laughs> That's what I want to uh, know. I, 
I'm hoping the green room was hearing what we're saying here. And then, um, oh, she did. Then I know. Um, <laughs> and, and then I saw. hopefully I saw. the the new uh, play in residence. So we'll uh, we'll let you know. So anyway, there you have. This is these are fun, man. These are just awesome. Uh, I want right. to know. So that was our. I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm guessing that unlike Larry, Shantanu is not going to be broadcasting from his bedroom. Just, uh, just <laughs> well, go. here's the thing. Last year, he did broadcast from his clearly from like a <laughs> tiny little yeah. office in his house. No, it was no. not a good place for it him. It wasn't to be. that he was taken hostage during the uh, the That's actual Adobe awesome. Summit. And he was he was flashing up like the, the today's paper or that you know the paper that that's right actually real time. Please uh, help yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, he was handcuffed to his desk. Right now, so. and all to be honest, that was like the very first big event after the shutdown, and and they had to yeah. scramble to do the virtual stuff. So I'm expecting a completely different experience. Let's just right. say I'm hoping the visual looks a little more like the background we see on yeah. his picture here. Yeah. Than the background we saw last yeah. year. <laughs> I really didn't okay. want to see his desk in his chair very much there. I mean, I swear. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry, Shantanu. We, you know, we kind of went. We love there. you, though. You're, you're yeah, ordinarily, you're a great speaker. We're definitely looking forward to uh, seeing you in a little over a month. Okay, so I think the stage is set. We got everything out of the way. And mm -hmm. we're here to talk about thought leadership. And we're also here to talk about, you know, Benedict Arnold. And No, I'm just kidding. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> I got to be very careful what I do going forward. <laughs> yeah, you'll know. You'll know. All right, so I... yesterday. yesterday during the happy hour, we had a really great uh, conversation. Uh, our happy hours are really pretty fun, generally speaking. And how long have we been doing those? Like how many consecutive weeks? So we're yesterday's happy hour was the 51st happy hour since we started. Wow. Now, what, what did you say? <laughs> Originally, he thought we the, you were saying that. We, I'm like, wait a minute. We yeah, haven't been we doing have... this for a year. <laughs> How could there be 57 weeks in there? Well, uh, literally, it, I, I just, what I ended up doing is I literally went on to Eventbrite and counted them one by one. I one, two, three, like it's hard, the most There's manual possible label. There's got to be a map for that. But, I have to yeah. exercise what's left of my mind, which isn't that much. So <laughs> it can do, I ha if I can do addition, it's still, I know I'm okay. So cool. anyway. So we knew we were going to be talking about thought leadership today with our two guests who we will bring on in a second. Um, but one of the things that we did with the happy hour group is, you know, this is a hot topic. Everybody's talking about thought leadership. And what we thought we'd do was invite our uh, happy hour folks to share what they thought thought leadership was and, you know, spend a few minutes which turned into about 25, 30 minutes of a discussion around thought leadership. So I'm going to play you the whole tape from yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. subject other than what is customer experience, it's likely to kick yeah. off an ongoing long duration conversation. It is what is thought leadership? Yeah. Okay. Especially if you're on clubhouse and the answer is nobody on clubhouse. <laughs> right, so, so we, 
So we had like 19, 18, 19 people on, and we figured as soon as we just threw it out there, what is thought leadership and just stand back and, and let them just go crazy. So let me show you uh, the first bit of what happened when we threw it out there to the folks. Just throw some definitions out for what you individually think thought leadership is, particularly in the context of the enterprise. Whoever wants to jump in, jump. <laughs> this is I see Danny smiling. <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay. All right. We, we'll uh, use that. Uh, we can use that. Okay. <laughs> we'll definitely use that. That will definitely be used. By <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stand so that's uh, <laughs> I love it. uh that uh that kind of uh surprised us a bit, but but after it got rolling, after they kind of warmed up, here's a little bit of what was said. Someone is that offering guidance and insight into a specific yeah. yeah, but when 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 do you switch over? When do you become the guidance offerer? Offerer, <laughs> and when are you the guidance taker or still learning about it? I mean, I've been doing this 15 years. I'm definitely like like only 30 percent of the way there. You should be doing and both at the same time, always. It's about the ability to connect dots, formulate, condense these mm -hmm. thoughts, formulate them and then be able to convince other people that it's the right way. I see it as kind of big ideas that influence others. Um, and they might be related to the market, best practices, approaches to solving problems, and typically aren't about a specific product or vendor, but are bigger than that. I think sometimes to kind of go a little bit on what, what it's not, it's, it's not about products. And I think a lot, uh, Many times you you hear from thought leaders from in particular from vendors. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it's not more, much more than a product pitch, maybe with a little bit of extra flavor. Thought leadership is grounded in stories. Um, you know, the better you tell a story, the more someone's going to relate to to what you're saying. And I think that's how a lot of thought leadership takes wings. Coming from a uh, two larger vendors, I'd say there's two definitions. I think there's one, the vendor, um, like Volker had just uh, mentioned, is that they want you to be seen. And so they they want you to produce this, this online presence and then also give speeches so that you give credibility to their products. And some of it's contrived, right? Like you have to write so many articles a month or posts or whatnot. And I think that's dilutes the ability on LinkedIn or other places to exchange. But if, if I had to define what a thought leader was, I would say it is a body of work that may be one or multiple uh, individuals who are acting as the North Star in an industry. What is next? Where are we moving towards? How do we get there? And driving through competition and through encouragement, um, the technical and then social aspects of doing that. Good stuff. I gotta say, I, this, is, this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart, having had some firsthand experience in this. But I, you know, I've got to say, just to throw this out there, I think my favorite definition of thought leadership, and I'm, I'm at least half serious here, is kind of along the lines of uh, the famous definition of pornography. I'll know it when I see it. So, you know, <laughs> but we'll get, we'll come back to that, I'm sure, at some point today. Uh. I'm not coming back to that, but yeah, that's a, that's a good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, so with all that said, 
we just kind of teased everybody. And now it's time to bring on our guests. We'll go with somebody that we've never spoken with before first. Janelle Deacon, thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. So Janelle, you're the what, SVP of content and thought leadership for Genesis. So uh, thank you for being a part of this. And uh, I guess we had to bring on the other person that's supposed to be joining us. I, I feel a bit of ambivalence with this, but <laughs> I think I have to leave. I'm just crushed. <laughs> Well, Aww. you know, leaving is something that we know Ginger Collin is good with. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, so funny. <laughs> Ginger Collin is back after being gone for, well, two weeks. So it's good to see you again, Ginger. <laughs> it's good to be back. So what's your, uh, what's your new title now? Thought Leadership Director. <laughs> wow. That works. So yeah, no, you, you might come in no. handy. <laughs> you might come in handy for this uh, <laughs> for this particular. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we are so glad to see you again and have you back and and to bring Janelle with you and have this conversation around thought leadership. Before we even get into definitions, because maybe this will help us with definitions. I was thinking about this, and it doesn't have to be a, an industry industry person or anything like that. Tell me who your favorite or one of your favorite thought leaders of all time are. And I'll, I'll start it off because I'm wearing, I, I see I kind of came prepared for this, this whole thing. So I'm wearing this quote, one of my favorite quotes from James Baldwin, great writer, 60s and 70s. And I love this. He says, I, can, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. Thought provoking all over the place for me. And, and he's just a guy I've read a lot of books from. And it's not industry related whatsoever, but He's not only a thought leader, he's a thought provoker as well as being a thought leader. So since Janelle is our very first you know, time being on with us, Janelle, who would be your favorite thought leader? And let me just notice anybody listening out there, put in the comments who your favorite or one of your favorite thought leaders are, and we'll keep it going like that. But Janelle, who is your, one of your favorite thought leaders? Um, I'll give you two. Um, a huge fan of Simon Sinek. Sinek. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just, I feel like there's so many things that are quotable from him and what he says as it relates to leadership um, that are really powerful. Um, so that's one. And then uh, many, many years ago, I heard a talk by Jim Collins on the subject of influence and leadership being intentional influence. And I think one of the, the things, uh, um, Nicole, you nailed, I loved your definition of thought leadership. <laughs> um, one of the things that sticks out to me in, in great thought leadership is it being memorable. And so how he linked the power of influence to leadership has stuck with me ever since. Awesome. All right, well, Ginger, our second guest, yeah, our second guest, Ginger. You gotta, you gotta go. Oh, the pressure's on, there's, there's, there's so many. Um, so I don't know, I guess instead of all time, you know, one of, one of the things that I'm very entrenched in right now is uh, behavior change and learning to, you know, get things done that you want to get done. So, um, of course, my brain is going to freeze on, uh, on his name because you're asking me and that's what happens. Um, it's like when uh, you show up just to come back in the day with a video store, you know, as soon as you get to the video store, you can't remember what was on your list of things you wanted to watch. 
I know Ginger. Yeah. Well, yeah. why don't we so, go to so El Nicole? Pa- we'll go to yeah. El Nicole. Come back to me. I, you know, it's, there, there's so many in different fields. I mean, I'm thinking like Noam Chomsky is one. Um, talk about shaping the way we think, the way we think about information, the way we think about ideas. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of the behavioral economists too, who have definitely been mm-hmm. thought leaders. They influence the way we think about economics, but they also, I think, influence the way we think about work and, and the way we work with other people and organizations and how we try to make the right thing to do, the easy thing to do. So, you know, I'm thinking of like thinking fast and slow, um, nudge, you know, there are yeah. so many, uh, so many of these folks who are working together, um, you know, there's stuff around decision architecture too. And I realize I'm talking about subjects here and not necessarily people. I think, you know, many of us know some of the names and can probably relate to them pretty clearly. But a lot of it to me really is about these ideas. These are these are the ideas that help to shape our frameworks for thinking and that help us to have a different perspective on the way we evaluate what we do, what we choose to do, what we choose not to do. Um, and you know, there was a lot of the discussion from the um, happy hour. I think kind of picked up on this. Um, it, it it's ideas as well as people. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go back to you, Ginger? Since you figured it out, let's see. Uh, there's a quote from a uh, comment from Ginger. Uh, James Clear. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah, Ginger, so would you like to Ginger? Would you like to answer yourself? And, uh, kind of <laughs> I would. I'd love to. <laughs> So James Clear uh, wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And before he wrote the book, I was following him online uh, and in his, you know, his blog. And it's just one of the things that I like about what he does is he synthesizes what he's learned from himself, but also all of the just vats of research that he's conducted and books that he's read on everything having to do with habits and behavior change. And he's put it all in these blogs and now in this book. And so not only does is he thought provoking about what you need to do, but he also is like, and here's how you can get there. So it's, it's, it's both like the strategy and the tactics in one that really is, you know, puts him up there for me. So, well, actually, that raises a really interesting question, though, and really because you know one of the things about thought leadership, and I'm curious to you guys take on this is um, wait not a minute. People You're who, not going to tell us who yours is. I'll, I, I can do that later. Uh, you, okay, I already kind of know who it is, but you know. Yeah. Well, I have several, but I, is, I'm not going to go to Roger Bacon is right his now. His first we'll name Yogi. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he was a he was an inspirational. Uh, catcher uh so uh but uh i'll i'll come back to mine if if there's time but otherwise i'll pontificate for hours right so um but this is a question that really is really fascinating when it comes to defining and I'm, again i'm curious to you guys on the one hand we're talking about leaders who inspire on the on the second hand we're talking about leaders who help us define frameworks and on the third hand um to one of the points you just made, Ginger, you're talking about leaders who kind of give us the path to something, right? The, you know, the way to get there. Rarely do you run across, honestly, even people with 
you can define in each you can define yeah. a slightly you rarely run across all three in one right i mean it's just maybe you're inspired by the i i don't know i don't get inspired by frameworks i just you know mm. i i find them useful to help me think but they don't inspire me right uh, so in your own in your own work in your own thinking about what you do in your own thinking about other people how do you look at how do you look at that because ultimately you know if you're helping to define thought leadership which is what you both are doing you only have so much time effort money and and capability to do it so do you lean to any one of those three do you try to combine all three and if you do what do you do to do that i mean how do you like take what's your actual working concept as opposed to it's kind of the intellectual concept you have well i think whoever in the happy hour said the word guidance that really stuck out to me because i think um in doing thought leadership we look to be the guide to other people and that takes combining data and research and story um, which is another key part into something that does inspire but actually gives those that audience enough next step to do something with it right and so i think when you combine all of those elements um, that is when it can be something that's really generous um, to be able to to take and make useful so um to I think it is a combination of both and, and done well, it, it takes that combination. So yeah. what would be- yeah, um, If you look at, um, sorry, Paul, no, right no. right before I joined uh, Genesis and Janelle's team, um, did a, sur a survey human connections in crisis. And it's a great example because it gives you, you know, how to think about um, what's what's been going on in people's minds since COVID, and you know, as a company, you, and giving some more understanding that maybe you know, you might not have realized or known about before. And then, as a company, how you can help your customers, um, you know, go through and and kind of come out the other side in ways that you might not have thought of with things that you're already doing, just doing them differently. And in, in, in this case, more with more empathy um, and what actually empathy means in this particular case. And so it's a great example of, you know, making people think and then giving them some steps forward or helping people, you know, think differently and giving them steps forward. Okay. All right. Well, actually that leads to another interesting question. Cause look, I mean, uh, you know, vendors will look at the industry because, you know, thought leadership has been an ongoing discussion for decades, really. And, and and who's a thought leader has been a matter of just mostly opinion, you know, and and who somebody likes or doesn't. Like, I actually do like Simon Sinek, for example, but there are other people I heard that I don't like as much, right, in, in the overall conversation. And so I don't, they are, I'm not saying they're not thought leaders, I just don't like them, right? So, um, so... <laughs> The question becomes, though, well, well, here's here's the problem, though. With a vendor, one of the issues has historically been, and, and it always has been that, and it's not necessarily true, by the way, but it's seen as true, which is that vendors, when they're defining their own kind of content for thought leadership, are self, self-serving. And, you know, and there is some truth to it in with some vendors. I mean, I've seen it, 
and it's not hard to identify when you see it because it leaves out key components that it shouldn't if it was being a thought leadership. They're only defining the components that are useful to them, which is not true thought leadership. At the same time, you know, we can look at, all of us can look at thought leaders that we've known in the, from the vendor side, and one that I've always brought up a million times with Anthony Lye at Oracle, who always is able to transcend the idea of his company's you know, self-serving interests to the greater ideas because he also understood the value to his company for doing that. But you also have to identify people who can become that kind of person because they have to have, and this is another key word to thought leadership, which we didn't really mention, but who will have trust of other people, right? And that's the other side. So when you're looking internally, you're, you're driving content, you're creating market research, you're doing studies and all that, and that's the content. But the people is what really, really fascinates me when it comes to vendors. So how do you how do, how do you do it there? I mean, do you look at them and go, uh, okay, well, he's a trustworthy guy, let's make him a thought leader. Or this guy is really bright, uh, but we'll have to sort of work so that people can gain more trust of him. Or we'll just, this is somebody with a lot of potential, um, Let's put him out there or, well, he's the CEO, he's supposed to be a thought leader or, I mean, how do you look at it? And, and then what do you actually do? And if I'm going to ask, and this might be a lo- something of a loaded question, it, at Genesis, who are those people? Who are the actual people that you name the names after, after all the other stuff? Who are actually the people um, that, that are, are that are that you guys define as a company that, and maybe you, maybe you're the one who's actually, it could be you. I mean, I just need, I'm just knowing who you internally are defining Mm -hmm. as thought leaders who you want out there in the public eye, Mm -hmm. who can also transcend the, and obviously you're, you're both here. So you're obviously designated that way. And that's pretty clear, Mm -hmm. but you're also the people probably going to be choosing those people. Right. So uh, like, who are the other people? But I want to know the whole, like, what's going on in terms of the approach you've got on this? Because it's not easy. To me, it's can can I add one, one question to kind of clarify a little from what Paul is saying, too? Do you guys make a distinction between thought leaders and spokespeople? Mm, good, good question. And by the way, before you answer that, mm. Sven, if you want to name somebody up here, uh, you know, on, on or in the comments section, yeah, feel free. To do that, go okay. Go, Bob Stutz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob. What? Well, there it is. There's one right there. All right, Bob Stutz. So I'll I'll just give my opinion to to your question first, Nicole. Um, I do. I definitely see a difference between thought leaders and spokespeople. I think thought leaders are originators of the idea, and spokespeople help share and amplify um, those ideas. So I think that there is a, a key distinction in there. Um, at the risk of naming a bunch of names to your question um, earlier on, on who is who are thought leaders in Genesis. Um, I'll, I'll point to a group that I adore in Genesis, um, beyond Ginger, who I just hired, of course, to, to be one of those. <laughs> yeah, we, we know that you just hired. So. <laughs> I'm well aware of what you did to us. <laughs> That's our strategic business consulting team. Um, they come from just such a diverse background uh, of talent and expertise in the space of customer experience. And a key um, attribute that I really appreciate about them is that they're listeners to the individual customer to connect the dots 
and then drive new ideas um, out of that. That has like, we develop products because of those, some of those ideas. So that group within Genesis is very special uh, to me as, as a team of thought leaders. All right, well, let me sort of then push you a little further on this one. Mm -hmm. um, look, ultimately when let's say, and Ginger, I'm including you in the pre-Genesis group here, uh, when we would run events, okay, mm -hmm. all of us would run events and we would have, you know, after we could get past uh, the owners of the events being ridiculous about how they treat vendors, which often they were, you know, I, I, used to, I always used to argue with them and say, stop treating vendors like they're lepers with money, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like, yeah, give us your money, but don't say anything to anybody when you're at the event, right? I mean, so, well, it's been unfortunate the way it's been operated, but when you got past that, you know, you would set these panels up. And we've had people like at, at CRM Evolution, which, you know, Brent and I chaired and co-chaired. We had guys like Bob Stutz on and people like that. Um, but the key was we chose people that we knew would represent the ideas mm -hmm. as even though we understood, of course, they worked for the company, but we knew that they were willing to represent the ideas before they would represent the um, the pitch from the company, right? And they were, were very, very careful about that. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who you could trust them to, mm -hmm. to present something that was valuable to an audience because they cared about the audience, not about selling to the audience, right? So mm -hmm. I, ultimately, they also understood the more subtle point, which was, Obviously, that reflects very well on the company when you have people like that. So, those are the people. That's the kind of thinking I'm kind of wondering how you go about it internally from a practical standpoint. Because ultimately, who are you going to find that, let's say, the three of us on this top row here are going to trust to put on a panel? Mm -hmm. So, um, if I'm if I'm answering your question, I I think one of the challenges that you mentioned that we have is, is spot on that as a quote vendor, we do have to overcome the stereotype that whatever thought leadership we produce is self-serving um, to us. And I think it does come down to the people and people can sniff out authenticity pretty easily, right? And, and intention. And so I think, you know, I would put up people who just have customer advocacy at the forefront and not um, the intention to just sell the next, you know, shiny object that we have to offer to the market in really understanding and applying empathy to what the company's business needs are to then, you know, lead them down a path that's going to, you know, help them along the way and be their advocate and guide. Thank you. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about maybe you can, compare and contrast how you go about determining internal thought leaders versus the ones you want to work with that are external thought leaders. Mm -hmm. And what's the kind of right mix uh, of, you know, percentage of internal versus external that you would like to, you know, have certain, certain engagements with, whether it's on stage or, you know, doing research or thought leadership. And, and one last thing, this is a little different. Mm -hmm. Do evangelists, Company evangelists have to be thought leaders, or how does that how does that work? Too, I'm just curious about that stuff. Sure. Um, say the first part of your question again. Yeah. So the internal thought leader versus external thought leader. Okay. How how do you compare and contrast them, and yeah. how what what's the right mix 
to bring to some kind of engagement that you guys are sure. involved in? So my take on that, and Ginger, feel free to jump in, um, is it depends on the topic, right? And so, for example, Ginger referenced some recent um, thought leadership that we we just put out to the market around the human connection and crisis. Part of that research was surveying consumers in the United States about um, how connected that they're feeling and to draw a tie to the relationship that might have in customer service. And so we leveraged a third party research company who had that network to do that survey and help us analyze that information. And then we took that information and we aligned it to the so what of what can brands do about that based on our experience. And so that was a mixed approach, an example of that. Um, we also you know, look to have plans where we, we leverage other third party researchers um, and their um, you know, awareness footprint more heavily while also looking at other topics where we have um, just internal things that we're building new ideas around that we will, you know, raise up those thought leaders as the centerpiece for our content. So that's my long answer to saying it's a mix and it really depends on what the focus is and where the expertise lives internally versus what sources of data we need to validate that with externally. Ginger, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it's that's it's definitely that kind of a, and it depends answer, right? What are you trying to, what are you trying to share? Um, who are the best, you know, what's the best, best mix of, of expertise to, to get that message out there? I mean, if you look at, you know, the, the kind of content that Janelle was just talking about, that's one angle of uh, one, you know, type and then you you mentioned also events like if you look at most um of the vendors big events the people that they have on stage are those various types of thought leaders right so you you typically have someone from the company who you know has that thought leadership type of messaging and then you you typically have a couple of people from the outside who are bringing in some relevant messaging to what the company's you know theme is that year, and it may not be about the business itself. It may be about leadership or some you know cool consumer trend or what have you. But it, I, I feel like it it always like depends. It depends is the answer based on what you're trying to to accomplish. I've got some questions for both of you, Janelle and Ginger, about you know how you categorize and define and how you execute on some of this stuff. And I'm going to start by giving an example, like a compare contrast example, because I think part of the challenge with thought leadership is there are different scales, right? And there are, there are different scales of ideas, there are different sort of levels of thinking, and there are also different types of assets and content that that results from that thinking. And I'm I'm going to use the example here, you know, love them or hate them, Elon Musk and SpaceX, right? To me, what's really interesting about that is that you have, you know, him as a person and his ideas and thinking, you've got his company and one of them, right, SpaceX, but you've also got the industry that it's influencing. So, you know, some very clear points of view there about the fact that we should be focusing on reuse, 
the private sector is going to be a really important vehicle for doing this as cost effectively as possible. And we should have really big ambitions about where we want to go in space, you know, and then you get to some of the technical stuff, like should you have nine rockets or should you have 12, you know, nine engines or should you have 12 engines in your rocket and that kind of stuff. So, you know, different levels of idea, different levels of thinking and things that are both associated with him personally and associated with the company and associated with, you know, really the space industry overall. I'm curious, how do you guys think about this and how do you prioritize some of those things? Because, you know, sometimes the conversation is really about how many engines you want to have in your rocket and not really about, you know, what the sort of business structure of the industry is. And in other cases, it really is, you know, how should we be approaching this at a very large scale in order to make stuff happen? So can you guys riff a little bit on that and, and how that goes into your thinking and planning at Genesis. I definitely think that we shouldn't and, and no one should approach thought leadership in a silo, right? And that with thought leadership, it needs to be connected. It needs to be connected to a strategy overall. It needs to be connected to um, the market that you're looking to serve. And so at Genesis, we deeply care about customer experience. One of the findings from that recent report was that 40% of consumers in the U.S. still see go calling and contacting customer service as a hassle. That hurts my heart. <laughs> and so we deeply care about making a difference there and, and helping to be an advocate for enterprises in changing that and, and making a difference. And so um, what I found in, in looking into this is that there's no shortage of ideas. We've, we've surveyed our customers for uh, ideas, we've looked at where gaps are in thought leadership, we've surveyed internally, and we have a long list. And so that, that's a good problem for Ginger and I to tackle and in, in where to go after first. But what we're focusing on is, is really like, what are our customers' biggest needs? Like, what questions are they seeking to, to understand? Because I think that, like, my philosophy is vendors are great for selling hot dogs and bagels on the streets of New York, but enterprises and our customers that we're serving, they're looking to us as for a real partnership. And they need someone they can learn from, grow with, someone that can be their guide um, along their whole journey. And that's what I'm really set out to do um, with our thought leadership team. Can I go back to the the uh, yeah. question of thought leader versus evangelist? Because I, I, I see a lot of people wanting to be both, actually. Um, mm -hmm. They want to be considered as thought leaders, but they also want to be considered as evangelists because evangelists are like considered to be rock stars and, mm -hmm. you know, up on front and everybody hangs on every word they say from the stage. Uh, but do those folks necessarily make good thought leaders? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that you can have that beautiful blend of being a thought leadership, the thought leader and an evangelist. Um, but there are also thought leaders that I would never put on a stage. Um, communicating um, to a large audience is not their gift. There are evangelists that are best at talking to those people to draw out the information to communicate it in an effective way. So perfect world, you you find someone that that's both, but there's definite usefulness if if there's a, for individuals and skill sets that are just one or the other. 
So yeah. let me let me sort of throw out a different area though, because ultimately you're not, let's say, investing time, effort, and money, and actually a decent chunk of your life in um, in just sort of producing the stuff, right? I mean, just grinding out things. You're looking for outcomes in particular of some kind, and and that's fair, you know. I mean, it could be a big noble outcome. It could be a much smaller focused one. But for example, you can impact as thought leadership. You can impact people. When I say that, meaning smaller individuals or groups of individuals, or you can impact markets, and that means much basically still people, right? It's much larger groups of people, really, and um, you know, and you can determine which one you want, so to speak. You don't, you know, you can say, well, we really want to have an impact here. And we really think we can, now you can put it in a more, let's say, uh, socially conscious way. You can say, we really want to contribute here, right? Or we want to, you know, look, you develop, let's say, a new product or a new, you have a new idea that you think will change the way people uh, in the, in an industry think and and act, and you know ultimately, you want to lead with that. Well, you know you're going to have to impact the market, or you're going to have to even create one potentially, depending on what that product is. And as you well know, creating markets like a multi-million dollar venture, right? It's you don't just create a market one day, mm-hmm. right? So, my question is though, those take a lot of work to figure out because you can't do everything. And you know, I, I look, I'm in. For 20 years, I've been writing books. I've been doing all these things. And I've pretty much concluded I've had no impact on the market whatsoever. So I basically was spending a lot of... <laughs> your your <laughs> measures might be wrong, Paul. I don't know. Right. Uh, I'm pretty good measure. I'm, given that I'm 71, I figure I have like 20... I have since... I have the wisdom of being 50 and then the stupidity of starting at 50 on this. Right? So, uh, so you know, the thing is that, you know, you're also an enterprise, right? You're an enterprise-sized organization with Mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts and a lot of people and a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with what you're doing either, right? Um, Who you literally have to convince just to do what you're doing, Mm -hmm. all right? So you have all of that. So given that and given you're also up against time and you're up against other companies who are doing similar things, meaning there is a lot, a big load of stuff in your way how do you make the decisions about what you want to impact and where you want to go? I mean, none of these are arbitrary, right? They're conscious decisions and you're planning and thinking and you're coming up with a conclusion, which, you know, to me, those are monstrously difficult tasks, especially when you're in an environment like yours. Mine's easy. I'm me. I have one person that I have to convince. And that's basically, I have to convince myself to sit down in front of a computer rather than go watch the news, right? That's literally about the range of- Or the Yankees. Make, right? <laughs> but that, that one, no, there's nothing to convince myself of there. I'm going to watch the Yankees, right? So, you know, the question is, all right, one, how do you determine, what do you, like, oh, well, let's make it even more practical. What is your current, what's the current outcome as given your report What's the current outcome, and maybe other pieces, the current outcome you're looking to, who are you looking to impact now? Mm-hmm. Uh, with what kind of ideas you're looking to impact them? Mm-hmm. And what kind of approach are you taking? And to the extent you can answer this last piece, who, you have to conv- who do you have to convince internally? 
I know you have to convince the outside world. That's the whole idea. But internally, who do you have to convince to let you do it? I mean, you know, you can look, you have enough decision making on your own. I get it. But there's still other people who you need on your side. Okay. Okay. So how all of that. <laughs> it's a lot of questions. <laughs> so um, I think, so let's take currently what we're focusing on now, and we'll use this um, human connections and, and crisis re report as an, as an example. If I have someone in our audience um, that is an existing customer, or maybe they ran across this and they've never heard about Genesis, doesn't matter, doesn't matter to me. And they read this report and it makes them think differently about the importance of injecting empathy into their customer service and treating their customer base differently. Okay. Or speed objectives or whatever, and changing their operations um, as a result of that, that's a win to me. Um, because I've been able to share a new idea based on our experience, based on this third party research that changes the course of some of the data that we saw in, you know, an end consumer on the other end of that, like no longer feeling like their service experience was a hassle. And actually they had a delightful experience that made them feel more connected to in this isolated world that we live in. Right. And so, um, to me, I, I don't, of course, we have grand objectives to, you know, influence the market and, um, you know, look at it from a macro level. But I don't think, I don't know of a way that we can influence a whole market without influencing people within that one step at a time. And so to me, it's, it's a series of small yeses that come out of this work that drive towards decisions, even if that doesn't mean they purchase our software, but they look at customer experience differently, um, then I think that's success. Okay. Ginger? So who do you have to convince? Well, wait, wait, one more question Sorry. to finish on. Yeah. Who do you have to convince though, <laughs> internally that you left that part out? Who do I have to convince? I Actually, I haven't encountered the need to have Nobody. a lot of internal convincing. Um, it, it wasn't even my idea to sort of create this team. It, it was my bosses and our executive leadership team in that we really wanted to get more intentional about having a team that um, focused on thought leadership content in a centralized way. So um, I feel very supported in our mission and um, I haven't run into too many obstacles yet. I guess I'm lucky there. Yeah, you are actually. Congratulations <laughs> too. Thanks. Yeah. So kind of combining, uh, giving an answer to kind of a little bit of what Paul asked and a little bit of what El Nicole asked, um, you know, it's, it's customer first, right? So what, what's important to you that you, that's important to your customer that you want them to know? And is it something that they need to know to do better right now or and or is it something that they need to know that will help them do better going forward or be prepared for what's next or what have you? And it's for me, thought leadership is similar to, um, you know, planning it out is similar to take me back to when I was a magazine editor. Right. You, you have your editorial calendar of 
here are the big picture items that we want to make sure that we inform our audience about. And then you leave some, you leave leeway for the things that pop up that you want to then address because something always comes up that you know, things change and you say, okay, we need to address this. And again, you know, for me, it's so I've, I'm, I'm always kind of looking forward. Like in when I've, when I've wanted to help my audience and, and, and educate them, what do they need to know now? What do they need to know next? What, and, with within that, what is it that they're looking to know that I can help them, you know, provide the information, but also what do they not even realize that they need to know that we're going to tell them and they're going to be like, Oh, thank you for telling me that, you know, and the difference, but you know, and then, then just when you're, when you're doing your planning in terms of thought leadership, let's come back to that angle. What is, you know, content marketing, what is thought leadership? What is news? You know, you, you have to delineate those things as well when you're when you're doing your planning. You know, so so Janelle's group that I'm a part of, it's the thought leadership, and it's so it's that research informed, big picture, thinking differently kind of content. And then there's a lot of great content marketing stuff that you know, may happen from some of this work as well and then uh, that is also happening concurrently you know in other teams did i get that right to know <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's i think that's that part of it four days in yeah no I, I i mean i think i totally concur with your distinctions there gender and i think it's i mean that actually at an operational level becomes a really important set of definitions in terms of how to actually make this stuff happen. Mm -hmm. I want to round it out though with a question to you though, Ginger, which is, you know, you've been in the industry for a while. You have a tremendous font of knowledge. You've got a track record of observing two questions. One is what for you do you anticipate being the biggest adjustment you're going to have to make to going from independent industry observer to working within a technology company? And the other is then, what for you, what, what's your big personal ambition? What for you is really going to feel like like a big win in this new role? I'm, I'm really eager to hear. And she's, yeah, she's um, very eager to hear. Wait, We know why she's very <laughs> eager to hear, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in before you answered. You know, I have been working with um, technology companies for you know, what, 30 years or something? <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> um, helping, you know, maybe sharing ideas of what what could be content that that they could help provide our audience, um, you know, as like contributed content. When I was an, when I was an editor, I've done freelance in terms of you know helping uh, with thought leadership or content marketing. So so in that regard. You know, there won't really be an adjustment just because it's it's stuff that I the, the big adjustment will be doing, you know, the things the Genesis way, which is probably not really a big adjustment because it's such a customer centric and employee centric company. So it's like I've always thought of myself as a customer centric person. So I think I'll just blend right in in that regard. And then what do I hope to get out of it? personally or what I'm excited about is really 
you know, what Janelle said earlier about if, you know, if one company offers a better customer experience as a result of something that we've put out in the market, it's a win. It's that's, you know, I've, I feel like I've been a customer experience evangelist for a really long time. And so being in a company that's all about customer experience and looking to, you know, use thought leadership to evangelize customer experience, like, am I in a better spot? You know, it, it's such a, it's such a, I, I will tell you how good of a match it is. After I spoke to Janelle and um, one other person uh, in the company, I went and bought champagne because I was, <laughs> I was getting this job and I was putting it out in the universe that I was prepared to celebrate because I knew that it would be awesome working with Janelle, working with Claire, who I spoke to also, and working with Genesis. So there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just say this. I know all your Mets, you know, fellow Mets fans would like you to buy some champagne at the beginning of the, you know, baseball season, you know, <laughs> with the thought of them winning the World Series. But I, I, I digress this a little bit. Uh, all right, this has been great. This has been a really great conversation. I think me, Paul, and El Nicole have spent way too much time watching uh, cable news because – we, you, if you ever watch those press conferences, those reporters ask like five questions in one. They before they get the first one, and I've got three more to go. Uh, so I think we we probably are watching way too much cable news there. All right, but I do have two questions. <laughs> All right, what is a standard question that we ask all our guests? And this is your first time on the show, so are you a professional football, you know, NFL fan? Do you have a favorite team? I do not really have a favorite team anymore. Uh, way back in the day, I was strangely living in Illinois, a Steelers fan. Um, back when it was like the bus and Roethlisberger and all of that, but I sort of just sort of stepped away from football. So I'm, I don't have a, you know, diehard. Uh, there. Perfectly fine. We're, we're yeah. very good with There's that. only we're one wrong answer. There's only one wrong answer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> literally only one wrong answer. And that wasn't it. Yeah. So yeah. we're fine Not with it. that. You know. Ginger knows the wrong answer already. So we don't have to. Yeah. Ask her. So Patri look, Patriots would so, be the wrong answer. That's the, uh, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> you <laughs> had to say it, Ginger. You had to say yeah. it. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Now the, the, the last question. How much of an impact did Ginger being a player in residence have on her getting <laughs> well, I assume that was the reason for employment, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that's what John Tashik said about Brian Solis, but you know. I was gonna say, is there a bad right. on LinkedIn for that? You know? <laughs> Significant. <laughs> there you you're definitely a repeat guest. There's no question yes. about it. You're coming back. You don't like, you're not a Patriots fan, and you really put a lot of import on what we got, did. Right. You got the idea. So before we, before we let you go, did you want to give a, a little plug for where people can go and check out this new uh, study that you guys have? Yeah, just go to Genesis.com or Google connection or human connection in crisis Genesis, and you'll find it at the top of the list. Check it out. We'd love to get your feedback on it, and I hope it makes a difference for you. Awesome. Oh, on that note, well, I, we had a lot of fun. We gave her a yeah, couple of jokes, look, some virtual nuggies in there, but we really do miss having Ginger Conlon, as I like to call her, G-Con, uh, as a player in residence. But <laughs> Yeah. We like you, so we're okay with her going to Genesis and working with you. So 
Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Like that, that, that really mattered a lot, didn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I just made her whole weekend. <laughs> All right. You. Well, and on that note, hey, Ginger, do you want to do it for one last time? You want to be a part of the... All right. All right. So All right. on behalf of Janelle Deacon, I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. I'm Al Nicole France. And I'm Ginger Conlon. And she's out forever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we are the CRM players. We will see you next week. Oh, I always forget. We have oh, a yeah. special uh, we have a special way of going out. And here we are going out. <laughs> Again. The no, NFT pri the